0: What's up, gang? Thanks for joining me as always. Coming to you on a Tuesday evening from beautiful, sunny Los Angeles, California. It is funny how much when I'm not in LA, I'm like, oh man, it'd be nice to go to LA. And then when I get there, I'm like, this place sucks. I wanna not be in Los Angeles. I think that a lot. Not all the time, but it's it's nice now because I come out here for like a week, two weeks, sometimes just a weekend. Just get a little flavor and get bounce, you know. Have a couple burritos, get a little quick, little base tan, get out of town, you know. Um, it is nice to to be back, like I like I keep saying, but I'm reminded of why I'm not like a massive fan. It's just like little things, like even like pulling out of my driveway in the morning, like if a car is coming down the street, like down the hill, going to into Hollywood. Like, it, it, you kind of need to, like, just let me pull out under the street and, like, not go for a second. And, like, every morning there's some car that, like, almost hit me and just, like, not let me pull out. And that would just never happen in the Midwest. I know it's just a little thing, but that would never happen in the Midwest. It just wouldn't. I'm telling you. It would never happen. They would see you pulling out and be like, oh, shit, I'll let this person continue to pull out. Let them get out of their way and safely get past them. And it's, like, that happens. Something like that happens, like, a hundred times a day here. And it adds up. And of course, traffic is crazy. I don't know how; it's truly mind blowing sometimes. Like I, it, everyone's on their phones all the time. That's when people talk about like some of these companies developing like self driving. Like I don't know about self driving; it's pretty. It's that seems scary. Uh, you know what's scary, you sir, you behind the wheel on your Twitter. That's way worse. I saw a lady hitting a bong while driving the other day. Hey, live your life. Live your truth. I, I, i'm i in support of that if you can do it look hey if you can stay on the lines in between the lanes and maintain your speed and do what you need to do i don't give a shit what you're doing if i can't tell that you're distracted it doesn't matter hit that bong she made the light she went quicker than most people it was impressive <laughs> so anyways that's uh I actually did have, just have a burrito too. I've been eating a lot of cactus burritos, cactus tacos. It's called cactus tacos, but no one no one ever gets tacos there. it <laughs> always get burritos. You can go to cactus tacos and get a burrito, what's wrong with you? Or go to cactus tacos and not get a burrito? You had your mind. Um, all right. Let's get into some some stuff here. Start talking about some some stacks. Some stacks. Um, stock market surging back a little bit here. You know, we've been like... Long-term investing, it gets boring, it gets uh, repetitive week to week, but if you bought through the dip, as everyone should throughout the history of the world, I mean, I think there's been, like, what, 13, like, bear markets since, like, the 70s? No. Less than, more than, hang on. Hang on. God damn it. Um, There was some post that I, I will bookmark this. Bookmark these random posts that have, like, good points. I don't know if I bookmarked it or screenshotted it. Probably both, because I'm an idiot. And now it's going to confuse me. Um, All right, now it's in my photos. Let's go find it. We're wasting enough time already on this. So, but now... Oh, here it is. So, yep. Okay, I was right. So, earlier this week, the NASDAQ composite fell more than 20% from high, marking the 13th bear market in history, dating back to 1970. Every single time that it has taken a hit, the one year after has averaged a 22.2% return. Three years after has averaged a 52.3% return. Five years after, 86.6. Ten years after, this is my favorite one, 328.1% gain if you bought in any one of the last 13 bear markets from 1970. On average those year returns years one, three, five, ten. Twenty two percent, fifty two percent, eighty seven percent, three hundred and twenty eight percent. Amazing. Just goes to show you always say buy the dip, always buy the dips, always do this. Also <laughs> as I'm recording this episode, I just got a text from Keanu Trades through the Discord group, take in all caps, taking a shot every time Holly B mentions Palo Alto Networks on the new episode. <laughs> Well, that's one. He also texted me earlier saying the same about Tesla. So just to get things out of the way. Oh, shit. I unplugged my unplugged my audio for a second. Just my on my side. The mic should still be good. I, and I dropped my phone. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. So Keanu's going to get fucked up listening to this episode because we have a lot of Tesla talk and a lot of Palo Alto Networks talk. And just to reiterate, so he takes another two shots, Palo Alto Networks and Tesla. <laughs> so he'll enjoy that let's uh i do want to talk about those but i'll get to those in a minute stocks flying back again buying through the dip always a good move if you could afford it i was still waiting on cash i picked up a few things though enough i think i have eleven dollars in my main account eleven dollars in cash not total that'd be hilarious (laughs) um not hilarious depressing but also hilarious but no, cash in my main account, $11. And then in my Webull account, I have like $1,500. But I'm going to add another few thousand to that. But that's just for options. So I've been using that. But I did buy like maybe over this dip overall, I bought... The problem is I bought early on and didn't wait for things to settle all the way. Some stuff I did. But by then, I didn't have as much cash. So I couldn't go heavy. But I did get bottom barrel prices for like... At least on this recent dip on Shopify... Airbnb, Square, didn't get a bottom deal on Apple, but did add some Apple. So did add some things, mainly Square. Square forever deal at a hundred bucks, right? We say that for forever. I think in like a week alone, it's on like a 35% gain. So, but if you bought it, it went to what, 90? But again, we always kept saying hundreds, a great deal. Sub a hundreds a no brainer, hundred dollars, no brainer. If you bought it a hundred, you're now up 47%, roughly 42%, something like that and still aggressive price targets most price targets are north of 175 uh, one of our favorite guys I talk about a lot often Dan Dolov he's an aggressive he's like the Wall Street analyst version of me he says the same shit about square all the time and gives these aggressive price targets he maintains his price target of 190 a share which he pulled back I think he had it at like 250 and then cut it back so still still an aggressive target for where we're sitting now at 140 something but again, forever a deal. It's one of those things like Square's a, a longer, a five-year term, five hold, five ten-year hold. But again, so multiple times it's displayed why they're kind of a leader in fintech. Although fintech's being sold off, the most recent earnings report, again, showing Square's ability to separate itself from the pack and show that they're kind of a market leader. Everyone took a shit during earnings. Square went up 40% during their earning their earnings day. Uh, if you include pre-market, post-market. A 40% move during earnings when companies like PayPal took 25% dives. So clearly, and then like Cash App, that's another reason why like a lot of uh price action, a lot of uh, higher price targets are coming out on Square right now. A lot of analysts are again aggressive about the Cash App, the Bitcoin mining, their cryptocurrency exchange, but really the Cash App, because a lot of younger users are using it. And as those when you when you start using an app like that, or start just like any bank, when you're using a bank as, when you're younger, like most people don't change banks often. It's annoying. It's a pain in the ass. Once you have it, you're set with it. You're good. So if you're using Cash App as a teen or young adult, you know you're more than likely gonna make that your main bank. And with the way Cash App and Square has developed that, you can do that can even do your taxes through it, which speaking of, I got to do that next week. I always put off my taxes to the last day. I won't do them on the April 15th this year. That's usually when I do them. (laughs) I work well under pressure. Okay, I'm not going to wait this long this year. I'll do them when I get back to Michigan beginning of the month. I have a few days before I go to New York City in April, so I'll get it done then, but not looking forward to it. It should be pretty easy. I didn't do a lot of I didn't do a lot of selling this last year and I didn't start doing like options trading until like the trading was really more this year thing. So it was last year. It should be easy. A couple of W-2s, a couple of 1099s. Eh, no big deal. I don't think I really made any sales. I did sell some stuff. So I guess I got a document. Ah, I'm not looking forward to that. I do still do all my taxes by hand. I talk about that all the time. People think I'm crazy, but I love that approach because it's like if you're going to get caught or not caught, like not that I cheat or anything. I do report my taxes fairly, but if they're going to like find me for something or if they're if i didn't do it all the way correctly i'm gonna have to like if i since i since i do it by hand someone has to sit and read through it and like actually make double check my work old school style so it's like hey you, are they really gonna do that more often than not no <laughs> and again I, I do them right anyways but just in case i'm like hey you're gonna earn it okay but i'm old school i like reading paper books i like using notepads i don't use a lot of like Online notes, you know, digital note stuff. I don't like that. Even to do lists, I like just Post-it notes. Like a psychopath everywhere. Not a fan. Keep it old school. Um, but again, to go back to like this, this recent, this pull, this uh, not pull back, this surge back of the Nasdaq and just stock market in general. You know, we're seeing. Like we kept saying on this show, it's like, dude, some of these prices, like, it's gonna get to a point where, like, I can't believe big money's not moving in on it. Sure enough, here we are. Like Shopify, we were screaming last week, like what 500 something. Now it's at seven something in a day. Like I didn't, I wasn't even paying attention. It's kind of busy last week towards the end of the week. I didn't even notice, but Shopify went up like 118 dollars one day. (laughs) I was like, holy shit. And I'd actually meant to pick up some in uh, my parents' account, and I ended up, I still just picked it up in the six hundreds, but. I was like, shit, I missed it at 515 or 550. That was one of like all the stocks, even like the last week's episode, as I was going through the main portfolio, I'm like, this is one that's like, definitely unfairly oversold, right? Like definitely unfairly oversold. Um, we talked about how like they have the e-commerce platform and how they can, uh, how they're second in e-commerce only to Amazon as far as traffic, excuse me, and how they make up the collective of all the small businesses that can compete with Amazon and run this great platform and how they help small businesses and how it's a small entry fee, all that stuff, all wonderful, wonderful things. Um, so that's one that we're gonna stay on. And then I know Kathy Wood and Ark Invest went heavy on it on Monday this week. So good stuff for them. Also, before we start recording this episode, Larry David's in a crypto commercial. Was it? It's a uh, FTX. Is the? It's like a. I think it's like a crypto exchange. Like first of all, look at me. I love Larry David, but what are you doing a commercial for? You have a billion dollars. a billion dollars. I think it's like eight hundred million. But let's go ahead and round up. He has a billion. Okay. Seinfeld, Curb, mostly Seinfeld. He's got all the cash on the planet. Why are you doing commercial for? What, what are you doing commercial? It's not to get your SAG insurance because sometimes that's why bigger actors will do commercials. Like why the hell is this? Because they need to keep their insurance active. You have to do like a certain amount of gigs a year that are union to keep your insurance. So some of them will just pick up work like that to keep their SAG insurance active. And I understand that now, but Larry is on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's still, he gets, and if even if not, he gets Writer's Guild. He's in the Writer's Guild for all that shit. So he's he's got his health insurance covered either way. So he's just doing it to do it. Maybe he's got, honestly, wouldn't surprise me if, Jer, if Jerry, if Larry has like some crypto. He's got a little Bitcoin, Ethereum. I wouldn't be surprised. Why not? You have a billion dollars. Why not throw a little cash at the old Bitcoin? So that wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't be surprised. It's because it's like, he's definitely not doing it for the money or to keep his his insurance current. It's all good. He's got a billion dollars in his current health insurance because of his current TV shows. He doesn't need TV work or commercials like that. So he must have a position in crypto unless he like just really cares about the message of crypto. <laughs> 'Cause like when you see Tom Brady doing like promoting crypto, it's like, oh, he clearly owns some and it's like not why. He'sn't really doing it because he is getting paid. He's pumping his own investment. So I get it. Good for them. Uh another company getting aggressive price targets that we kept talking about and the one that I bought in this this uh last dip, Airbnb. Getting more aggressive price targets throughout. Uh like one ninety, two twenty, I've been seeing. But again, that's a five ten year. That's a longer hold. Who cares? We just hang on to that one. It's a textbook disruptive company. Disruptive company. They got. They're gonna do. Um, you know, more and more revenue as people travel, expand their business. Like even I'm seeing like people talk about like Verbo and all those other like. I think I'm pronouncing it right. All these different like vacation, like basically services like Airbnb, and that's fine. Hey, great. That just makes just like when all these other companies make EVs. Is it hurting Tesla? No, it's just Tesla's gonna be the biggest shark in this in this ocean. Same thing with Airbnb, like Verbo and all those other companies, and all these smaller ones. Yeah, go go for it, do your thing, make your money. I'm all about that. But it's ultimately, Airbnb is gonna be the king because of brand recognition. It's like Google. Google's the king of of search engines. I mean, now they're the only people who use. I mean, but for a minute there was still like Yahoo and what Ask Jeeves back in the day. But now it's just Google dominates. So it's like you can have other stuff. Other companies do what Google does, but ultimately it's going to be Google. And so I feel like uh, even these other companies come out, Airbnb is still just going to benefit from that because it's just going to it's just going to get more people familiar with that type of industry. Okay, they might not use Airbnb this time. They could use Verbo, but then they're going to use Airbnb next time because they're familiar with the, what it is. That just people are going to start using that more and more. Hotels suck. Dude, I stay in hotels all the time. They're great for certain things. Don't get me wrong. They're using good locations, you know, for the nicer hotels. But even like a nicer hotel, it's just a a nice room. There's no kitchen. You can't cook anything. There's no like refrigerator. There's no, there's barely a microwave in some of the nicer hotels, or refrigerators. So it's neither. So it's like cool. It's a room that I can't cook or eat or store any food in. No sink. So it's like you know, I understand why people could more and more want to get the Airbnb when you're looking at some of those prices. So um what else do i want to talk about i do want to talk about options more i haven't i've been still going through all the core stuff i know i've been talking about week after week doing the twitter spaces with the guys on with some of the keanu trades guys and gals you know we got some ladies in there we we're trying to get me and keanu talked about this at dinner we try to talk and we we talk about it often but like why why don't more women trade and i think it's just uh i texted a friend of mine about that uh, this morning actually one of my one of my few female friends who who's an aggressive investor and actually goes pursues this stuff on her own she sent me a thing a clip from neil degrasse tyson answering a question about um just like women in science i think is what it was something like that and he kind of talked about how like and she kind of said i think this is very similar to why women don't get into trading i mean basically what neil neil degrasse tyson was saying like as a young black kid many people weren't Pushing him to be an astrophysicist when he knew that's what he wanted to do. Like that's what he wanted to do unequivocally. He's like, "That's what I want." I knew from like a very young age, but as a young black kid, people were like, "Why don't you like play basketball?" (laughs) Pushing him to do that kind of bullshit, and so it's like you know he chose the path of most resistance, if you will, and so I think he says that in the video, and so. I think that also holds true for women in trading, where they think of Wall Street and they think of like, you think of hedge funds, you think of like the quintessential like, you know, uh, what's that show that was on fucking Showtime? Not Mad Money, that's, fucking, that's all I could think of was Mad Money. The one about, Mad Men, <laughs> I think Mad Money. Mad Men, where it's just like these like, you know, chauvinistic guys in suits just being all, being all douchebags, right? And kind of just seeing how it's not like it's just it's perceived at this as this world not for women, but it's like, dude, what's great about the stock market is it's for everyone. It doesn't give a shit about your emotions, your feelings. If you're black, white, red, purple, yellow, it doesn't care. Don't give a shit. It doesn't care if you have a dick or a vagina or anything in between. It doesn't care. All right, the stock market is emotionless. That's what's great about it. And so. That the, these things work for anyone especially when it comes to like when we talk about more of the option stuff it's financial chess if you're willing to sit down and learn the shit it doesn't matter what male female what your race it doesn't matter it, the the principles are what matter the, the learning the language of of the stock market learning the language of reading patterns and identifying uh entries and exits that's that's the thing and so we're trying to get more women involved just because I don't see why not. Why? I don't see why it's like the, I have two friends. I, yeah, maybe three, but really two, two friends that are, you know, that I, within my circle that are, that are really investors aggressively, like on the level of myself and people in the Keanu trades discord and that kind of thing. Only like two, it's crazy. It should be everybody. There's no reason why not. Um, and I'm seeing that change too. I'm following more like options, traders who are women on, on Instagram and Twitter. It's inspiring to see, you know, these people that have put in the time that can make this kind of money and they're, they're very transparent about it. You know, it's not easy, but if you're willing to put in the time, you can do great things. And so I would like to see more women get into it just because it's just more people in the community, the more people that are in this, the better it is for everybody. It's the biggest I've always said about the stock market. And now, especially I feel this with options. Now that I'm learning more about that, is it's the biggest misinformation campaign in the history of human kind? Am I saying that right? Yes. Honestly, I think it's the well, not it can't be throughout all of time because the stock market wasn't always around. But since its inception, like basically since the SEC formed, so post Black Monday right because the stock market wasn't was not always uh, regulated hence black monday 1929 but since the sec was formed post the great depression we haven't seen things like that we've seen bear markets we've seen some gnarly crashes but we haven't seen the bottom just fall out like we did in the 20s into the 30s so from then on i will confidently say The stock market is the biggest misinformation campaign in the history of the human race. It's insane, especially from like the 50s, 60s, 70s on. It's unbelievable because people just sit there and they're just like all these. And I make fun of boomers all the time because they're the most guilty of it. They'll take all this cash they got because they got houses for 30 bucks and college was a nickel. So they all have this money, all this cash they're sitting on, and they hand it off to some dumb fuck money manager who's like, hey, I'll give you 5%, 10% a year. And they're like, wow, that's fantastic. And then behind closed doors, this guy's making 30%, 40% of their money and only giving them 5 to 10 It's my boomer investment uh, company I've talked about for years. That's my exit plan. If all else fails, I will just open a, a family investment firm, and I will take rich boomers cash. And I will invest it in Google and Amazon and Apple only, basically, and, and just give them 5% because I know I'm going to make way more than that. I remember saying that one time in like a stock chat group and a day trader was like, yeah, that's what day traders do. That's, that's, that's what we do on Wall Street. I'm like, oh shit, we do that since the eighties, he said. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, and there was actually something I came across too of this, uh, that kind of really hammered this home, which is even more hilarious to me. Uh, let me just pull it right up. It's a, like, basically my point being like people are so afraid to manage their own money, but they'll hand it off to someone to manage, not realizing the cost of that when it's like, okay, why would you hand it off to someone to invest it when I'm just telling you buy Apple, buy Google and forget about it. It's like, yeah, you could hand that money to someone. Like you're still going to make the gains if you know the companies to buy in. Okay. So here's one as of 2019. So in 2019, and this would be even, this would be even more money post this is not 2022 but as of 2019 if you invested a thousand dollars in berkshire hathaway in 1965 you would currently hold 4.3 million and that's probably more like 5 million actually because 2022 versus 2019 but let's go with this so a thousand dollars in 1965 with berkshire is now 4.3 million if you just invest it yourself however if you took that same a thousand dollars and you and gave it to a money manager like a hedge fund, basically, and they they and they treat it like a hedge fund would. That four point three million would have accrued three hundred thousand dollars to you as the investor, and the money manager would have taken four million. <laughs> and this happens all the time. And boomers are like, "This is great." That what's funny is that person got four million dollars taken from them, and they're probably the kind of person going around telling like their friends how great their money manager is. <laughs> so I mean why not it's like that's the move that's my ultimate business is Boomer Investments LLC I'm Just gonna take your cash put in Google and Apple and give you your 5% and you'll happily tell your friends while I'm just running the grift of all grifts god I can't wait alright what else do we wanna talk about here let's go through Um, I got some, my little note thing up here Tesla's back at a thousand dollars. Well, almost 992 made an aggressive move today. Went up like seven, 8% today. I know Elon was tweeting about Giga Berlin, Giga Berlin started to push out production vehicles. Finally, it's been delayed, but glad it's delayed no more because now we can stop, uh, freaking out about, I was kind of nervous for a while about them, like having problems with like the German government and some of the legislation, like getting the things going over there, especially cause like they're having issues with even getting water supply. Like, uh, one of the downfalls people talk about how like great EVs are for the environment, but there's a lot of downfalls. And again, I invest in Tesla because I it's like Apple of cars. I don't think EVs are necessarily like God's gift to the world and are going to save all of our energy problems. I think it's good that we're thinking this way, but I think it's just a lateral move in my opinion. Like gas is expensive now. Yes, but wait till everyone's on electric and then they're gonna charge that shit through the roof. And so it's going to be just as expensive. It's just like streaming. Like, like remember when Netflix was a deal, remember when streaming services were a bargain for like uh, all of six months, maybe a year. There's like a six month year window there where you're like, Oh cool. This works out. I like this better. But now it's all just like cable again. You just have like 10 streaming services or whatever. And that just adds up to over a hundred, like you would with cable or a couple hundred, depending on how you do it. So it's like, I have a feeling that's going to happen. Like if you're buying an EV now, yeah, the cars are super expensive, but once they get cheaper, then the electricity is going to go through the roof. So it's not really going to be ever, a. a, a, it's just, it is what it is. Like I said, hey, one of my recurring themes, know the world in which we live and work your way around it. (laughs) will <laughs> work within it, learn to operate within it, but Giga Berlin going back up, uh, but again, not just to, to point out the EV thing. It's just like the amount of water that is required for these facilities, uh, to run, to, to generate their, um, Their production to to, to do all these to build these EVs it it takes an insane amount of water, and that was uh, one of the problems with Giga Berlin like not even having like a proper water supply for them, and if you even look at like Lake Travis in Austin, look at some of the lakes around Austin when Tesla moved there, you can see the water table going down quite significantly, and even a buddy of mine was looking at buying real estate there on a lake and the lake house it was like a house that was like houses in Austin are crazy expensive. And he found a house like on the lake that was like not that expensive. It was like 700 and some thousand, which is a lot of money I know. But for like lake access in Austin, that's, that's like a crazy deal. But when we looked it up on Google maps, we looked at some of the photos, you can see basically like the dock is almost like losing. The dock is almost, you almost can't put a boat in there because you're just gonna be putting the, lowering the boat into dirt. The water's receded that much from this like little cove, this little spot where it kind of goes out. And so we're like, Oh shit, whoever owns this house is trying to cash out now before they can, uh, before this, before the lake is all gone from these, all these tech companies moving here and Tesla building all their shit at Giga Austin. So, you know, they're not building the Cybertruck yet, but I think they're pumping out, um, some of the model threes there, I believe are building the batteries there and stuff. So yeah, it's a concern a little bit, you know, like I said, I think Tesla's still a great investment because again, people are going to, they're going to lead the EV charge pun intended there. And like I said, I haven't seen better branding since Apple. So it says, so well, I stay with them. I'm not going to miss it again. I'm not going to miss something like that again. And again, I'm not going to sell Apple again to never sell just like Tesla. Uh, and also, I think it's funny that Tesla's back at 990. So today's March 22nd. So... Nancy Pelosi exercised five million dollars worth of options that expired last Friday, March eighteenth and so she exercised her right to buy the options, so I don't know what she paid for them I think the the strike price was five hundred bucks, so five million worth so I don't know how many shares she's ended up getting, but a lot, and those those are deeply in the money, so she's gonna get five million dollars worth at 500 a share instant double up already and then you look at like the stock market kind of started we're going a surge lat late last week and into this week and she didn't sell the contract she exercised it and uh, bought the con and bought the shares and then sure enough look what happens the first couple of days this week tesla's up like eight percent today that's nice eight percent on five million dollars pretty sweet so pelosi again i always like to mention her tricks when she's uh doing them And it's just funny because the more I learn about options, the more I'm like, God, this is so obvious. It's like, it's so blatant. They're like, it's like, thank God for that. Like for them, they're probably thinking, thank God. Most people don't know how options work, but unfortunately more and more people like are learning about it and are, and people are talking about this and, uh, it's no secret what Pelosi does. It's dirty as shit. It's like, dude, you're doing massive option deals. You're not just investing. You're doing like, you're trading based on like, it's like you're doing the crazy shit. Like options are, are risky, but if you know how you can move the markets, like the amount of money you can make is truly limitless. So I just think it's funny that she exercised the right to buy 5 million worth and the stock goes on a tear literally a day later, two days later, that next week. It's just like, of course, why wouldn't it? On the subject of EVs, Georgia is telling Rivian they can't sell direct there, passing legislation where they can't sell direct in the state of Georgia. I don't know why, didn't give a shit enough to read the whole article if I'm being honest with you. Just saw the headline, wanted to bring it up because Rivian sucks anyways. I know they're Amazon backed, but who cares? Have you seen a Rivian on the road yet, by the way? They look like shit. They look terrible. They're just ugly. They don't look good. I know the Cybertruck is like a weird look, but it's cool looking. It has like an appeal. I'm not gonna buy any of these, by the way. But if I was someone that was in that world and maybe looking at buying one, the Cybertruck would be fun. It looks way it looks like a vehicle from Halo. It's fun, it looks badass, and it's got great performance numbers. And for the price point, it does have the best performance for the price, as far as range, towing, all that stuff. Again, I'm not in the am not in the market for a truck, let alone an EV or truck or whatever. I'm not whatever. I don't not in the not in that world. But if I'm looking at the ones that are dominating the headlines, the Ford Lightning EV, who cares? It's a Ford F-150 on electric, boring. Like good for them, but boring, and they can only make about 30 of them. So good luck getting one. Rivian, same thing. Can't make many. They look ugly. They're not going to be as uh, better, not as good at performing as the Tesla Cybertruck. Uh, and again, can't make it. They can't make that many of them. Don't have the production capacity yet. And then Tesla. Looks cool. Great price point. All the performance. Again, production holdups. <laughs> Once they have those factories open and, and, and going, they'll have the production capacity. It's just a matter of getting them up and running. So that's enough about Tesla. For now, Keanu should be nice and hammered. But just in case, let's talk about Palo Alto Networks before we get out of here. Before we'll not get out of here. Uh, we still got some time. We still got some time. only at like 30 minutes. But Palo Alto went on a strong move. Keanu texted me like two days ago. I know it was Twitter. He sent me a thing on Twitter about someone pointing out a chart leading up to a uh, was it post earnings, pre earnings, something earnings. I don't know. But it was a chart and just saying how it looked like it was the, the, the guy was saying it looked like a nice setup for a breakout. Keanu sent it to me. I wrote back 600 plus incoming two days later. We saw 600 plus. Palo Alto went on a tear today. It went up. Let's see exactly. And again, we've been talking about Palo Alto for since the beginning, man, since the beginning. So Palo Alto Network CEO Wedbush Dan Ives called Palo Alto stock a table pounder. We've talked about Dan Ives before. I I I like some of his his calls, his plays, not plays, his calls. Uh, these are all old news yeah nothing major in the news that came out i know there's there should be an earnings coming up so they're dude they're going to crush another earnings i should buy a of an options contract on palo alto earnings but i know their options contracts are super expensive but the russian cyber attacks are only help anytime like crazy stuff happens palo alto goes up anytime there's a hack this war has been this war in russia ukraine has been making it go up like crazy but yeah palo alto went up 20 bucks a share today was up ended up only going up three and a half percent to close the day but at one point was up set 606 over 600 was like, like 30 bucks a share it's crazy and a lot is just tied to more aggressive price targets coming out and again i've talked about this before it seems like an expensive stock but it's only a 58 59 billion dollar market cap which i know is still a big company but 59 billion still a lot of room to run there and i still i talk about it a lot like if this stock keeps running, I don't see, I, I it's got a split eventually. If it goes over a thousand, I mean, that'd be crazy, but it's, I, I, I've, I've been predicting a, a Palo Alto split for a minute just because I feel like it would, it would help the company at this point, even just like a two to one or a three to one. Even If not still worth buying, obviously, but that's one that has now grown into my top three. Cause I started buying it at like one eighty, and have bought as high as like, I think 500 right on. So, but again, another one I was telling you, it's, it's one of those in sectors. You have to have a foothold in it. You have to have some exposure to it. So in the, in that world. So when I talk about those sectors, what they're EVs. So got to have, you know, something in EV, Tesla, something in Ecom, Amazon, Shopify, FinTech, Square, cybersecurity, Palo Alto, or CrowdStrike. Fine. I like Palo Alto. Something with me- semiconductors, NVIDIA, MU, amd all fine i like nvidia um said fintech what else ai something in ai you know you could go with amazon google adobe nvidia i like nvidia for that for ai and next gen gaming so those are those major sectors you want to be exposed to and cybersecurity, i said is always one of them it's it's still under the radar for a lot of people i don't know why they don't think about it but it's like, dude, no one's doing smash and grabs anymore. It's 2022. They're smashing and grabbing your Facebook login. All right. Don't give a shit what's in your car. Your car sucks. All right. No one cares. <laughs> it does always make me laugh when people are like, they'll lock their car and they'll be like, should I, should I lock my car? Or not lock my car, but is my, they'll lock their car and they'll be like, is it going to be safe? You're like, what do you think's going to happen? Think someone's going to take your 2012 Camry? No one gives a shit. And if they do, great. Call the, call the insurance company and get a few bucks and get a new one. I have people ask me about that too. Like I drive an older Camry and I, when I travel, I leave it at train, a train station outside of Chicago and by outside of Chicago, I mean Indiana. And so I've left it there for like two weeks for free, just in a parking lot. I'm like, are you worried about what if your car gets stolen? I'm like, great, that'd be great. I could get a couple thousand in insurance money and just use it towards a new one. So I don't give a shit. It's like, do me a favor. It's like back when I was really poor and I didn't care care about getting my identity stolen. I didn't give a shit. Like when I was super poor and had like bad credit, I was like, yeah, steal my identity. Go for it. It'd be great. You now owe MasterCard a bunch of money. So good luck with that. Um, It's a liberating feeling. (laughs) So even though I work a lot like in that industry, in the car industry, and I know a lot about it, I just, I don't give a shit about them. It's kind of funny. And even when I I talked about this with my therapist today, actually, about how, like, I'll use certain things as motivating factors. Now, when I get to that certain point, I don't want the thing that I thought I wanted all the time, the carrot that I used to get to the goal, I don't care about. Like, I've thought that where I'm like, okay, once I get to this amount of money, I'll buy a new car. And then I got to that amount of money and didn't buy a new car. Or I was like, once I get to this amount of money, I'll go on this vacation and do this. And then I don't do it because I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't really care. (laughs) it's like I just it's weird I don't know why I'm trying to get to the bottom of it I have some homework to do for my therapist some worksheets I got to do but I find that that happens with me often where I'm like okay I'm gonna use this to motivate me but I don't think I really want it and then when I get there I'm like oh yeah I don't want it (laughs) and so it's not with everything but I've just noticed that a few times and so I I I think I'm going to, I'll do that continually. Like, I'll just use, like, maybe something else to motivate me. And then I get there, I'll just hang on to the cash. I think a lot of that has to do with stocks. Like, I'm not, um, I'm not a multimillionaire yet. So until I get there, I'm like, eh, nah, we'll do that when I'm a millionaire. Although I do need to be better about peeling off some cash to have some fun. You know, I should go on a vacation, maybe over the summer, maybe go late, late summer. I'll go to Iceland or something. Maybe I'll go to Brazil. I've been hanging out with a friend of mine from Brazil in, in LA. And, uh, he's talking a lot about Brazil. Maybe I got to go to Brazil. You know, I might find myself in like a 90 day fiance situation. If I go down to Brazil though, it could be dangerous from the way he's talking. He's like, oh yeah, they'd love you down there. They want to come to America. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> so maybe I'll 90 day myself and go to Brazil. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, one more thing kind of go through. Okay. Got through all my stuff here. Um, Oh, and again, I wanted to make sure I reiterated this before I get out of here. People uh, had asked me about Novonix again this week, how I felt about Novonix, if I bailed on it. No, I haven't. I think I talked about it on a a couple episodes previously, but Novonix, I'm still, uh, if you don't know, it's the lithium, not lithium, it's the graphite anode miner in Nashville. No, not Nashville, Knoxville, Tennessee, Chattanooga, one of the two, somewhere in Tennessee. So NVX, that's the American listing of Novonix. So they do mining for the material for lithium-ion batteries. And then Novonix Limited is an Australian-based company that also has their research team in Canada with Jeff Don, the, the Don of batteries, if you will. Tesla lead researcher as well. So they're Tesla ties. So I've held on to all my foreign shares that are, what, $4, dollars 4 dollars four $4.50 a share. I've held on to all those, haven't sold any, haven't added more recently. And then, but now I'm not adding more of the foreign shares because of the transaction fee. It's fifty dollars to buy and to sell on the foreign fees. So I don't not buying the foreign ones anymore. I'm just buying the American versions now that there's a Nasdaq listing for Novonix under the ticker NVX. I'm buying those. It's seventeen thirty nine as of market close today, Tuesday, March twenty second. Uh, bought that around like thirteen and change a share. Started buying it there. So that's one I'm gonna just randomly add to as it takes dips. But I did notice as I look at it, there's not that many shares out there and there's like zero float or zero short interest on this stock. Like zero, like 0.04% short interest. Like that's like almost less than Apple. That's crazy. Like basically no one is betting against this stock right now. No one's betting on it going down. Again, I'm not saying it's a guarantee it's going to go up, but seeing that there's almost no one shorting it is quite telling. So pick up some of that. It's a cheap stock of everything I talk about. It's the cheapest one. 17 bucks, by far the cheapest one that I mentioned. So maybe shit, maybe I'll pick up a few if it takes a little bit of a hit. Um, Maybe I'll try to get it closer to 15. I'll set some buy orders at 15. Might not get it anytime soon, but if we do, we'll go for it. But again, right now you can't really go wrong with a lot of stuff. The Nasdaq crossing back over fourteen thousand—that's all I I focus on that a lot in the S and P forty-five hundred. But the Nasdaq I look at closely because I'm tech heavy, and then, you know, it kind of broke a support line at thirteen thousand. That was kind of spooky because thirteen thousand was like a hard support line, and it broke that into the twelves and did recover thankfully now north of fourteen. Because when it went below thirteen, I was like, oh no, we might see ten thousand. <laughs> and that was kind of making me nervous. So I'm glad we didn't see that yet. You know, who knows? Never know what the future holds. But nice to see that rebounding. Feeling better about it. Uh I think we're good for now as far as this episode goes. I don't want to drag on and I'm getting tired anyways. I need to I need to finish the last two bites of my burrito. Uh Keanu should be nice and drunk off these Tesla, Palo Alto Networks mentions. There's a couple more just in case he didn't take enough shots. So, hopefully he's all nice and wasted. All right. I am going to finish this burrito and upload this on the porch. And you know what? I might even roll a joint, folks, cuz we're in California and honestly, I wouldn't care if I wasn't. It's it's 2022. Get with it, folks. All right. Bye.